0: on a house now the good news for him is the house of a preacher and so when he got into the house the uh, pastor took him in nourished him got him all healthy again and he said now you need to ride into town but the only mode of transportation that we have or that i have is a horse and he said so you can ride my horse in there but there's a couple of couple of important things for you to know about my horse if you want the horse to uh to move you know to actually begin to walk you have to say thank god and he said if you want the horse to stop you have to say amen. Now, obviously, this is a preacher story. So this is a good story. So anyway, so he tells the guy this, and the guy's like, okay, I think I've got it. And so he gets on the horse. He waves goodbye to the preacher, and he kind of sits there, and he goes, thank God. And the horse begins to walk. And he's like, "Oh, well, this is cool. And so the horse walks for a while, and then he says, it's going to take me a while to get there. I'd kind of like it to speed up. And so he says, uh, thank God, thank God. And the horse begins to kind of trot. And he's like, well, this is good. And then he just says, you know, for fun, he's like, man, thank God, thank God, thank God. The horse goes nuts. I mean, the horse is fine, it's like out of control, and he's, I mean, he's like, this is unreal. And the horse is just moving along, and he begins to look up, and he realizes there's like a canyon that's sort of in front of him, and it's, it's a good ways away, but he's like, well, he kind of is going to need to start slowing down here soon, and so as he keeps riding, getting closer and closer, he begins to say, whoa, and he's pulling back on the reins, and the horse is totally ignoring him. As they get closer and closer to the canyon, to the edge of it, he remembers. Y'all remember what, what it is? Amen. That's right. Y'all good. And so he yells out, Amen. That horse stops, comes sliding to a stop about three inches from the edge of the canyon. And the guy is just so relieved. He sits back and goes, Oh, thank God. <laughs> now, uh, now, guys, obviously, we just celebrated. It has nothing to do with anything, but it's a fun story. Uh, but we just celebrated Thanksgiving. And I told y'all before, I love Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is Christmas without the pressure of gifts. You know, it's just so much fun. But as I was preparing for this message, I I was just thinking about, you know, sort of like the art of Thanksgiving. And I really believe in many ways it is a lost art. to, To be appreciative of what we have, to just simply to say, Thank you, because I believe this very much, that today we live very much in an entitlement society where we expect the world to revolve around us. We expect people to give us give stuff to us all the time. And if we don't get it, or if God doesn't give it to us, then we become frustrated and angry at Him. But just as a reminder, and I think it's always good to remember this, God doesn't owe us anything. And what would be good for us to do and to remember is to reflect on who God is and what God has done for us and to offer him a spirit or to offer him a hearty thank you because he deserves it. And so we're going to see this in our text today. So in a few moments, we're going to look in Psalm 95. And just a little information about this uh, chapter is King David actually wrote this. Many think he wrote it during the Feast of Tabernacles. Have you all heard of this before? Uh, Feast of Tabernacles was a celebration of the Hebrew people being led out of Egyptian captivity by Moses. And I think we all know that story. But this chapter, Psalm 95, was just a reminder to the people to be thankful. To say, listen, God is your deliverer. God is the one who has provided you with hope. He's the one who's given His mercy to you. And there's no doubt in my mind that this text of thanksgiving, it is still appropriate for us. Today. Now, for some strange reason, we're we're not very quick to give thanksgiving to people who've blessed us. Instead, we have that attitude of you know sort of like the world revolves around me. And so what David is doing in our text today is reminding people why we are to be offering thanks to God. And so very briefly today, I just want to see I just want us to see some reasons we ought to offer our thanksgiving to God. And the very first reason we ought to offer thanksgiving to God is because uh, it it enables us to give testimony to our God. When you give thanksgiving to God, it allows other people to recognize who it is that you serve. Uh, Now look with me in verses 1 and 2. Look what David says. He says, Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord, shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let us enter His presence with thanksgiving. And let us shout triumphantly to him in song. Now verse number 1 starts off by telling us, let us shout joyfully to the Lord. And a couple of things I want us to notice there. Who is to do the shouting? This is us. Now in the context of our verse, David is speaking, of course, to the Israelites. It's like, hey, you, people of God, are to shout Joyfully to the Lord. Now I believe that that applies to us as well. Those of you who are followers of God, the the, the same God who is the deliverer for these people is the same God we still worship today. So this text is still appropriate for us. We are to shout. Now how are we to shout? He says we are to shout joyfully to the Lord. I think it's really important for us that whenever we come together, we have a responsibility. To give our praises and our thanksgiving to God. Because I believe this. I believe in general when people hear the church shouting, most of the time it's sort of negative. That whenever people hear the the, the church shouting, it is the church is angry and frustrated. Now, I don't have any problem. I believe that there are times whenever the church needs to stand up for what is right. We need to do that all the time. I believe there are times whenever we need to point out inequities. But guys, let me tell you something. When the world hears the people of God shouting, more often than not, they ought to hear us shouting in joy. David said, let us shout joy. With joy. Let us shout with hope, not in anger and judgment all the time. Now, now, what I've noticed is that we typically shout in joy for the things that we love and we care about, right? Uh, and the example I'm going to use, and I'm not making a statement here, is I know that there's many of you who are football fans, and you have shouted for joy at some point or time in the season. I'm not stupid, I'm not going there. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, just, a, just a few, uh, few weeks ago, um, I was at a football game, and it was a Carolina Georgia game, and I, I was with my son. And I'm not, I'm not real. Believe it or not, I'm really. I'm not a big rah rah guy. And so, you know, I sit there, and they when people, it's always amazing to me, they start playing at Sandstorm, they play all over the country, people play, they play Sandstorm, and, you know, and I can, I can look around, and I'm watching people, I mean, I, my wife even goes nuts during Sandstorm, and I can look at her, I'm just teasing Emily, but I can look at her, and I'm thinking, who is that? You know, people just go crazy, but we, we love to cheer for things we love, and whenever they're playing the Carolina-Georgia game, you know, Carolina's doing well, and, and everybody is, it was a crazy game, everybody's jumping up and down, getting excited, and I, it, I got caught up in it. You know, I was like, what is happening to me? You know, it just It's contagious, right? It's contagious. And so I'm, I'm giving everybody around me high fives. People I have no idea who they are. I'm like, yeah, you know, just uh, slapping everybody's hand. And it's exciting. We left the game early. We're walking back to the car, and I hear a roar from from the stadium. And that roar allowed me to know that something significant was happening inside that stadium. Village Church... Christians, we gather together. We gotta shout for joy. Now, some of you might be a little reserved, and you're probably thinking, "Oh my gosh, he's calling for this to be like a, you know, a pep rally in church. He expects me to raise my hands and you know ring the cowbell." That's, I'm not saying that. Um, I, you know, I'm not saying that. Now, if you want to offer your praises to God, that's that's great. That, that's how you how you do. That's great. Cowbells. Christopher Walken, we don't need more cowbell, okay? So we don't need to worry about that. But I do believe that we need to have a heart of thanksgiving. And the world needs to see us praising God. And the only way they're going to know about our God is through us, it's through the church, it's through God's people. We're told in Romans 10, 14 and 15, but how can they call on him in whom they've not believed? How can they believe without hearing about him? How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how welcome are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. It's us. We come together. We offer thanksgiving to God because he gives testimony of who our God is. He gives testimony of the greatness of our God. A few years ago, a man was talking about his opportunity to become a hero, and he said he was in China, and a tour bus in front of him flipped over. And so he, he got out of his car rushed over to try to help people get out. He got the, it was sideways, so he got on the door, and he began to try to open the door, and it wouldn't open. And so he began to help people out, out, uh, out, out of the windows. He said, but as he was doing that, another man went to the door that he was just on, and he turned the latch, and he opened the door up. And so when he watched him do it, he began to realize why that door wouldn't open. It's because he got on the door, he was standing on it, trying to pull it open. And he said, I just felt like an idiot. He said, I had good intentions. He said, but I was the biggest obstacle in helping those people out. Because I believe that many of us as believers, we have good intentions, but oftentimes we can be the biggest obstacle that there is in making our God known. We can stand in our own way. We can say things and do things that just turn people off. And we can allow fear to stand in our way, because we don't want other people to think that we're strange, because we're offering our praises to God. I mean, said, so what can I do in order to, to give witness to my God by offering Thanksgiving?" When we come here, when we come here, let your focus be Jesus. Whenever you sing, let your let your singing be done to the Lord. Whenever you go out to eat after the service, probably San Jose's or Firehouse Subs, I don't know. It's where we all tend to go. When you go there before when you receive your meal, pray to God and and give him thanks. Now not not as a show, but as an acknowledgement that you believe and you trust in God a provider, God the provider. Now why are we to give thanks? Well, David says we're to give thanks because it gives witness to our God. He says we're also to give thanks because God deserves it. God deserves our thanks. In verse number 3, he gives the reasons why he deserves our thanks. It says, For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. The depths of the earth are in his hands, and the mountain peaks are his. The sea is his. He made it. His hands form the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Verse number 7. Why? For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. Guys, there's one thing that I have noticed about myself, and one thing I've noticed about myself, and probably true for some of you as well, is I am very good at pointing out faults in other people. Man, I'm really good at it. I mean, as soon as somebody does me wrong... I am on it like white on rice. You know? I mean, whenever I see inconsistencies in people, I can, I can immediately know it. Go, that guy is totally, inc- I remember what he said three seconds ago. Look what, he's already, he's already, he's already, he's already uh, stepped on his toes. He is totally inconsistent. I see hypocrisy. I mean, I've got like a radar for that stuff. That guy's totally hypocritical. You know where I'm not so good? It's with myself. I don't notice it that well in me. And I think part of the reason why is because I don't want to look at myself too closely because I'm afraid of what I'm going to find. And so I can look at other people and pick it up quick. But when I look at myself, I I try not to look at myself too much. But I do know this. Let me share with you one of my big shortcomings. I love too hard. (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, one One of my big shortcomings that I have in my life is that I take things for granted. Uh, you know, and I know with, uh, with my wife, that's very true. And I, I'm not trying to mention her all the time. I do it one more time, Emily, so get ready. Uh, but this, uh, with Emily, there's, there's things I take for granted for her. With food, you know, there, I can get in those modes where I just say it's like magic. Somehow food appears on my plate. You know, like nobody prepared it. I just sit down and there it is, like, wow, I mean, that's really cool. Then uh, there's other times, and she can tell you, there's times whenever I can feel like there is a laundry genie in the house, and ladies, I know that you know exactly what I'm talking about, where it's amazing to me that I can, I can go run and then I throw my clothes on the floor and then the next day they smell good and they're in my drawer folded up. Now, what happens for me is that I can take that for granted and never tell the one who did those things for me, thank you. Now, what kind of a person is that? That's a guy. Now, what kind of a person is that? The kind of person that is, that's an ungrateful person. That's a person who is very spoiled, a person who's only looking at himself. Now, it's not like God needs our praises in order for him to function. I mean, y'all, God doesn't need to hear from us because it builds up his self esteem. He's God, he's our creator, but he demands respect from from his creator. And whenever we don't offer him thanksgiving, and whenever we don't offer him respect and acknowledge him you know what we're doing we are basically making ourselves out to be god like the world is supposed to revolve around us like hey you know what god better serve me because if he doesn't then i'm going to be offended at him and i'm going to be frustrated at him that's where the next few verses are important verse six look if you just look at these verses afterwards verse six seven and eight Um, He begins to talk about, or excuse me, before that, verse verse number three. He's he's a king above all gods. Talks about the earth, talks about the mountain peaks, talks about the sea, talks about the dry land. What he's pointing out here is that God is God over all things. And then the people during this day, they believed that their gods were territorial. That God only moved within the boundaries of their nation. And David said, that's not true, that's not true. He said, our God is the God of all. He says, he's the king of all gods. I like that. He's the king of all gods. The heavens and the earth, they were all created by him. Dave said, we need to recognize that. And we offer him praise and thanksgiving. So often what happens is, we ignore him. And we feel like that we are deserving of everything that comes our way so how do we make our worship pleasing to god we focus on him when we come here we want it to be christ-centered now what can happen very often is that we come here and i can come here and i can come here with the attitude of this service is about me and so whenever i hear music it better be the kind of music that i like because if it's not then i'm going to be irritated uh, that whenever the preacher speaks, that he better say something that's clever and it better not bore me or I'm checking out early. Now, I'm not, I'm not making excuses for James and the band and myself. I believe that we need to do everything to the best of our ability. I believe the music needs to be pleasing to the Lord. That needs to be, uh, that needs to be Christ-honoring. I believe that whenever I preach, I need to be prepared. That I need to have something to say that comes from God's Word. But let me say this. This service is not about you. This service is not about me. It is about Jesus. And we come here, we are to come here in order to honor Him. A time when we come here to reflect and be thankful for who He is. Why? Because He deserves it. He deserves it. Our praise is necessary because it gives witness to our God. It's necessary because he deserves it. And this last thing I want you to see another reason we're to give thanks to God is because it'll help us avoid a hardened heart. Ungrateful people tend to have hearts that are hardened and are critical, and they're not much fun to be around. Let's read the last few verses. Verse number 8. It says, Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on that day at Massa in the wilderness where your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was was disgusted with that generation. I said, There are people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. A lack of a grateful heart leads to a hardened heart. It had happened to the Hebrew people. That's why in verse 8, David says, Do not have a hardened heart like your ancestors did back when they were at Meribah and Massa. Let me ask you all a question. Do Meribah and Massa ring a bell to you? Okay, just to be honest with you, it did not to me. Now, for those of you who did, kudos to you. And so I had to look it up. What is Meribah and Massa? This is back, again, at Feast of the Tabernacles when this was written. They had left Egyptian captivity You remember they left Egyptian captivity, and you remember the Red Sea was divided. We all remember that part, because that's pretty neat. They walk across, they get across, which is amazing, right? Wouldn't you say that that's something that you would never forget? I mean, it splits wide open. They walk across, they run out of water, and the people get angry. And they begin to gripe. It's like, thanks a lot, God. I mean, this is paraphrased. That's basically what it's saying. They're being sarcastic. God, I can't believe that you let us out here. You, don't even give, you didn't even give us anything to drink. Whenever they began to complain, Moses called it Meribah and Massa. and Massa means to put to the test. People were putting God to the test, saying, God, you better meet our needs. And then he called it Meribah. That means to contend with, to find fault with. They were finding fault with God, saying, God, you're not doing a good job. Now, I know you just split the Red Sea wide open. It's impressive, but we're thirsty. And you read, you read the wilderness account. God does all these incredible things, and very, very seldom do you see the people tell God thank you. He fed them manna from heaven. Y'all remember that? You know what they did after they begin to get manna from heaven? This is true. They wanted a change in the menu. They begin to gripe. They're like, we want, we want something else to eat. We would like, you know, we'd like some meat. I mean, and the Lord's like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, They they begin to travel around. They don't like where they're staying. They get frustrated at God. They complain time and time and time again. And so the people, as they are in the wilderness and God's revealing himself to them, they're not being grateful. And so then they begin to look after other gods saying, maybe there will be another God that will meet our every whim. Now there's nothing wrong with us asking for things from God. y'all know that? matter of fact, the Bible, Jesus tells us this in John 15, 7. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. That is a tremendously powerful statement from God. Now what God judges is a heart of disbelief. How do we avoid a heart of disbelief? How do we refrain or get away from that judgment? Here's how you move away from a heart of disbelief. Reflect on how God has moved in your life. And how God has moved throughout history. And that will change your perspective. Let me give you a few examples of how God's worked in your life. One, he is your creator. God is creator. He made you. How 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 should we be thankful to God? Or what's another reason I to be thankful to God? Because he is a God Who is willing to reconcile and restore those who have strayed from Him. Do you think we need to see that today? you need to experience forgiveness and reconciliation in your life? You have a God who offers that to you. God has made you in His image. God desires for you to have a relationship with Him. Which is unbelievable when you begin to think that the God who made all things desires for me... To know Him. He's provided His common graces with medicine and shelter and with community with other people. My, my encouragement for you is simply to take time to reflect on God's goodness. And as you do that, all the gripes and complaints that I have and you have begin to get smaller. See, what happens so often is whenever we are self-centered, we just simply look and see how I've gotten a shaft in life. But whenever I change my perspective and look at how good God's been to me, boy, it makes me a different person. You know, Emily and I, over, over, the, over the years, we've had, shall I say, some disagreements, sometimes in marriage. And during those times, it was very easy for me to see my innocence. You know, uh, husbands and wives, you know what I mean? You know, when something happens, you're like, you know, I, I see their wrongs, and I am totally innocent. And the reason why I'm responding this way is because of the way you've treated me. And it's just sort of the circle thing that kind of goes on. And so, you know, we want and you know, we want our pound of flesh, you know, I want them to know that they've screwed up. I want them to know that they are wrong. My rights have been violated, and I, you know, just all these things start going through my mind. Now, if I want to get off of that, you know how you break the cycle with that? How I can break the cycle with that? Is to begin to reflect on the goodness of my spouse to me. And whenever I do that, whenever I take time to think, you know what, my wife has chosen to love me and care for me and to stay married to me for over 20 years, even when I've been a jerk. It's hard to believe in it, the jerk part. Uh, Yeah, Reflect on that for a while. And then whenever I begin to realize that my wife has provided, and and almost every meal that I eat is because she makes it for me, because I can barely make an egg. And whenever I begin to reflect on how she is loved and cared for and raised our children, guys, let me tell you, when I really begin to focus on those things, it changes my perspective and it moves me from being a self-centered person to being a person with a grateful heart. And that generally leads to a home of joy and peace. Now, I tell you that because I want to encourage you to do that with the Lord. And as you do that, it will change your perspective. You see, David shares with us something very wise here. He says, you are to give thanksgiving to God. We've just celebrated thanksgiving. Why are we to give thanksgiving to our God? Because we are giving witness to our God when we do that. You see, if we don't give thanksgiving to God, we are basically saying, I'm God. That's, it's idolatry. We give thanksgiving to our God, recognizing that he is the giver of all good things. We are to give thanksgiving to our God because he deserves it. Finally, we are to give thanksgiving to our God because it will help us avoid a hardened and black and mean heart. Our world needs to see you and me being a people of gratitude to a God who has power to transform your life and the life of people around you.